The suburbs especially can fuck What's up. the most southern neighborhood? Like before it, what's like the southern Skokie? Okay, I don't know. Oak Lawn? I have no idea. Wait. No. Like the southern, like, suburb? That, that, <laughs> That's like touching uh, the city, but it's not, or like Evanston. Evergreen Park is another town, and it's literally just across western from me. Oak Park? Is that a thing? Oak Park is a little bit Oak further Park away. Oak Park is west. Okay. If you're talking south, no, not Oak Park. You guys, I'm bored. Me too. <laughs> Let me tell you. <laughs> so Welcome to Slider Brains. The boring oh podcast God. about non-boring The topics. weather and geographic location that we all have <laughs> some sort of physical association with. Y'all, did you guys have a good New Year's? Did y'all make resolutions? Did y'all make it to midnight? Yes, sure. yes, and yes. What's your resolution? I want to write more. Um, I, I just don't like. I have all these thoughts that I and like all these like I have so many notebooks of just like half ideas and stuff that I just don't do anything with, and I want to write more. I got a cool Same. book on screenwriting for Christmas that uh my friend Clayton suggested to me. Can we, if you become famous, can we ride your coattails? Oh yeah, hundred <gasps> percent. Okay, amazing. So that's your New Year's resolution. You stayed up till midnight. Did you do anything you fun? I kind of can't because it sounded like like you and Kara were going to take it easy. She's prego, her ego. So I kind of figured it was going to be an early night. Yeah, no, we did. We went to a party. Um, we came came home at like eleven o'clock. We literally we were at the party and we we're going to stay there like the whole time. And then I think at one point I'm like, I miss the dogs. And they're like, Yeah, we should go. <laughs> I get anytime we go anywhere, if I have to create them, I'm always like, eh, I could be home watching them and not worried that they're like, peeing on themselves, <laughs> which, is, which has never really happened with the dogs I currently have. But, you know, that's yeah. like me on a road trip. I'm always worried I'm going to pee myself. Did I tell you guys my dad got me adult diapers for my <laughs> birthday because did, did I you try them? About... No, because I put them in a plastic bag in my utility closet and i there's always like weird repairmen in my apartment doing things i was like someone's gonna find this pack of adult diapers and he had to like ask my mom what size to get me and i was like i can't do this but i really do want to try them because i wonder if just having on an adult diaper will like make me feel more comfortable on a road trip because I feel like the minute like we pull out of a gas station, I'm like, I'm gonna have to pee again real soon. <laughs> my uh, my old roommate got um, physically fit, and so he became one of those people that talked about how he got physically fit a lot. Um, most of his conversations were about his physical fitness and how he looks different than he did six months prior, or whatever it was, and he got a food processor that he would not shut the fuck up about. And for our white elephant gift, when he was out of town, um, our friend, a friend of ours, came over and he he found the like well, he sold the box for it, and he just took this took my roommate's food processor. We were having the white elephant gift exchange that night, so it wouldn't be super obvious. And he instead of wrapping it in wrapping paper, covered it in diapers, 
and and he wrote in brown paint on it his name uh and uh and then he gave it back to him for christmas it was so funny watching him open it because he didn't realize what had happened and uh he was like oh like he didn't want to say he's already got it not realizing that it it was his that we were just giving back to him that didn't really it wasn't relevant that much except for the fact that I want to think of diapers. I think of that box covered in diapers. Just were they adult diapers or baby? Because it could be a problem if they were baby diapers. Because I believe there's a shortage. I mean, this would have been a decade ago, so it's fine. Oh yeah, fuck it. Yeah, hell yeah. The babies had tons of things to poop in a decade ago. Yeah. <laughs> and by now they're ten. They could probably use a toilet. Yeah, you they're know. almost old enough for an adult diaper. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Well. Next episode, I would like you to review them and let me know how they do. <laughs> you know, the craziest turn of events to just turn into full like, uh, just chaos would be good. I did have uh, a plan. I was going to go to Wisconsin at the end of October. With really thought you were going to say a ska show, and I was like, "At a girl." No, with, <laughs> I'm uh, shit all over myself there. Carrie, two thousand two. Jesus. <laughs> Anyway, I had a plan to use them to drive to Wisconsin at the end of October with Carrie, and I told her, and her boyfriend, and I was like, I'm going to wear my fucking adult diaper, and we're going to try it out. And I was like, let's tell your boyfriend that I'm going to do this, so when I'm talking about it for, like, two of the six-hour drive, he's not surprised. And I was really pumped, but then I didn't end up going, so I never got to try it. How slow do they drive where it takes six hours to get to Wisconsin from you where know, you are? I don't know. I think it's it's. I think it's four. I think it's just like northern Wisconsin. I don't know. I didn't go, but I think it was like the longer. I was just imagining you getting to the border and being like, this is it. It's like gaze upon yeah. the, the wonder Check of the Check the fields. diaper. Did I use yeah. it? <laughs> Did I use it? Yeah. I love, uh, not knowing. Um... Anyway, back to New Year's. I have no resolutions. I don't give a fuck. Just trying to, like, get a job and, like, not be sad. Or, uh, you know, just Bring have a Bring the year. charisma. <laughs> Make this our job. Just, this is your fault, Nikki. You gotta, you gotta step it up. You're our front person. Oh, yeah. You're the leader. Well, uh, Stephen Dorff, if you're listening, hit us oh, up on no. Instagram. Nailed it. <laughs> Uh, Alex, Karen, any fun New Year's things to share? Or... Um, with the risk at the risk of sounding really lame, I spent it alone and I watched Nope. All right, that's very sweet. Woo. Uh, we, I watched both Gremlins movies over Christmas. Uh, in addition to all nine Saw movies, which we could get to, but I don't think anybody wants to. Um, but they exist, so there you go. My, my, I'm changing my answer from our most anticipated from Evil Dead Rise to Saw 10. Great. <laughs> really? Uh, I really am. Yeah. After that poster today, uh, it's rough. Yeah. But, but anyway. It kind of gives like weird like Harley Quinn vibes. That's very funny. I just think it looks like a generic um, PG-13 horror movie. But, well, you know, we'll see the trailer tomorrow. I could be wrong. I thought the screenshots looked pretty cool. And I like the concept of it just being in a big apartment building so that ties in well to some of my answers for the prompts that i gave you guys today for our topic that's that's exciting which is is. what's our we're gonna talk about we're gonna talk about some horror settings today nikki some of our faves some of our least faves and i I kind of wanted to distinguish like physical location from like time period even though that's not really sometimes it's not possible like if you have a movie that really sticks out into you that 
the time period and location go hand in hand. Like one of the movies I'm going to talk about later. Um, that's fine. But I want to focus mostly on like location um, like of movies. Um, what do you guys, what is you guys like favorite or ideal horror setting? When you pose this question, I realized that there's no ideal for me. I'm not like, well, actually there was for a really long time, but I guess uh, for the, so tying back to one of our last episodes for the Killer Santa stuff, uh, I really liked um, asylum settings, which is obviously an issue because of the way we actually treat people in mental health facilities, and that sort of it's it's kind of it's outdated at this point to sort of have mental asylums be a place to be feared. Um, even though, like, I associate them with things like Batman, like that's always why I thought they were like aesthetically interesting or, or scary places. Um, and then I also really liked Brace Yourselves. Carnivals as a setting. I was going to say kind of clown buildings. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So there's my answer. It's, it's it probably leaning toward like, well, and that stems from something Wicked This Way comes more than anything else, which it doesn't have any clowns in it. It has, you know, ringleaders, et cetera. Something about that setting. I'm not sure what it is. That was always scary to me, but I like that. Oh, Alex, I've been meaning to talk to you about, uh, so they put up some episodes of True Life on Hulu, um, and there's one episode that I love that's like, my parents, True Life, my parents are embarrassing, and there's this girl whose parents are professional clowns, and their last name is Graham, and the kids' names are Millie and Candy, Milligram, Candy Graham, and then another one, but these parents are like, Full on like Barnum and Bailey clowns, like pick them up in a clown car, have clown themed parties with their clown friends. And like, of course, one of the girls in high school, her friend has what's the clown fear? Chlorophobia. I don't know. She yeah, has it's that. Mediapia. Yeah, mediapia. <laughs> Get over it. Yeah. I would like anyway. to watch like a full like documentary about these people. Like, what did like the mom talk to? Like, hey, Millie, you got your first period. Honk, honk. Like, Literally, that... <laughs> that's like actually the energy they exude. Oh, man. I swear uh, to God. I've never been interested in reality TV, especially from MTV, but I would happily watch that episode if you link me to it. Yeah. Or there's it's on two Hulu? other things, too. Like, it's not just focused on them. I think there's like two other families of parent child dynamics, but it's worth it. Like, for the my clown. parents are, are clowns. I mean, <laughs> I imagine that they're actually like the employed by a circus clowns kind of people. Yes, I think they okay. actually were like Barnum and Bailey, like clowns. Oh, That's... like actual like clowns. I thought you meant they were just like Republicans. Hey, got him! Got oh, boy, be here all week. I like it. <laughs> Anyways, okay. so clown houses and asylums. Mm -hmm. I mean carnivals. <laughs> clown house is your word. I don't know where you got that from, but I don't know. I was like environmental really clowns. A clown building. Clown building. <laughs> There's a scene in Breaking Bad where they're, Jesse's up on like a plateau looking out over like the meadow of the rain. He goes, There's a cow house over there. And Walter's like, Cow house? You mean a barn? Anyways, Team Shed. Karen, what is your ideal horror setting? Well, speaking of Team Shed, um, honestly, one of my favorite. Uh, it, so it very much depends on the type of horror movie I'm going to watch. So if we're talking classic horror, I want to be spooked. I love 
just an isolated environment, like a cabin in the woods, somewhere creepy and away from people. But if it's a monster or a zombie movie, I want it like the bigger the city, the better. So it just depends. But I mean, at the if I had to choose, I mean, when I think about what my fate like what movies are really good examples of the setting, I always come back to pretty much like an isolated environment is always that. So so yeah, isolated environments are are my jam and the only thing that's really not my jam as far as environments is the haunted mansion and it's only because i just want to live in one like i'm not scared by it like i think like that's just my ideal home in the future so i think if you're thinking like the disney haunted mansion you're like yeah this is the place i want to live but I, I feel like putting you in a setting where it would be tough to sleep i don't know that's, this is an experiment that I, I like which is called karen puts her money where her mouth is and I'm excited here's, about it. This is not me calling you out. I just, I'm like, no, I would love to be proven wrong. And you just like wrapped up in a blanket and there's just like plates breaking in your kitchen at random. And you're like, home. It's, it's funny you mentioned that because the note I, I wrote about this is that it's, there's going to be a ghost there because it's a hundred plus year old house. And I'm going to name it Jerry, and we're going to just figure out how to get along. You're just going to name a person that already has a name? Unless they tell me their name, that ghost is going by Jerry. It's Ghost Jerry. I have a question. Non-gender. Um, yes. And this may dip a little bit into the period piece element, but aside from, um, like, I think of House on Haunted Hill as a prime example of kind of like a modern day big spooky mansion i feel like a lot of horror movies in that setting tend to be sort of period pieces like i'm thinking like the others where it's kind of like a 19th century like european mansion is that kind of the aesthetic like do you tend to associate that with a period piece horror not necessarily not necessarily but like those are ones that come to mind but i'm thinking also like um the oh, fuck it's not the lake house it's that movie with the lady with the backwards everything's backwards and she finds the house and she thinks she's oh, being knocked by a demon the night you know, house thank you it's not the lake house it's the night house obviously i've not seen this um it's obviously a memorable film because i can clearly <laughs> remember the name but i'm also i think like that just any like haunted house type environment whether it is a period old mansion i mean my personal aesthetic is I want to own a hundred plus year old Victorian mansion that is most likely haunted because I'm just going to assume it is. So, but yes. And no. Yeah. Come down to Beverly. Uh, no. <laughs> um, thanks, Karen. Nikki, what about you? What's your uh, fave horror setting? Um, I kind of, I have a small list. Is that okay? They fit under an umbrella category. Sure. What if you're just like, no, you can't. Nope, moving on. <laughs> okay. Um, I first came up with kind of a list of different settings I like and then kind of generalized them into one thing that I like. I tend to just like practical, real life base settings, like anywhere that I have personally felt scared or unsafe in life. So woods mm -hmm. or like outdoorsy camping based horror 
like Blair Witch esque um, or creep. I love. I just think because that's an environment I feel like I don't have control in, and so any sort of like camping woodsy type situation I really like. Um, <laughs> this one is uh, well. I'll say this one last. Hillbilly Deep South. Love a Texas Chainsaw Rob Zombie esque movie because I'm scared of that genre of place i think is hillbilly a politically incorrect term can i say that word i feel like it's the politically correct version over something like redneck oh okay great so yeah. hill we're just called them we're just a hill people i don't know hill people hill the hills have eyes people yeah um deep hot weather south texas stuff scares me um, this one, I, there's really not many full movies that take place in this setting, but scenes that take place in public transportation or like train terminals really scare me because I feel scared in trains all the time. And then a Halloween haunted house, not a haunted house, a spooky entertainment house. Um, and then finally, under the like real life based settings, other people's houses. <laughs> I'm not, I my least favorite is like the Karen's choice of like the haunted house genre. Don't care for it. But if it's someone else's house, there's a lot of, uh, we'll dig into that, but there's a social element that makes me scared. So that's my long winded answer. We dig into that. What is the social implication of that? Well, so I think it's kind of ironic that I say, that this ideal horror settings I like are things that are practical, real-life-based settings, which a house or someone's home, that feels extremely personal and extremely practical. Yeah, I just think we've been so oversaturated with intruder in my house, a ghost in my house, and like a setting that I normally feel safe has now become unsafe. I like when the environment itself makes me feel like unsafe or uncomfortable. So the house is a great idea, but like when I think of it in the context of like the protagonist's house, it just doesn't really do it for me. I don't really like just, oh, a robber, a bad guy coming in, a ghost. But when someone else's house, I was thinking, for example, back to like Texas Chainsaw or even in House of Thousand Corpses, dinner scenes with scary people at their house makes me so fucking on edge. Or we were talking about the movie Speak No Evil recently, and it's basically a family that visits another family. And there's just so many social implications of like being polite in someone else's environment or like kind of the social norms of when you're in someone else's space that add like an element of normally I'd like to run the fuck out of here, but because I have this awkward like social chokehold, I don't feel like I can. And if you're in someone else's space, maybe the layout of the house is something that's familiar to you, but like the power lies within the person whose house it is. Like they know where all their shit is hidden. Um, You know, like if you even think of Get Out when he goes into her childhood bedroom closet and like discovers a stash of photos, like that shit scares me. Like it seems like a safe, normal environment, but it's not yours. So I don't know, there's just like the social implication of being in someone else's home is something that I find really interesting in horror. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. 
What about you, Brad? Oh. Um, first I like your answer. That's that's really interesting. Um, but for myself, uh like a favorite horror setting I have is actually pretty much the opposite of Karen's, with the exception of like zombie or monster movies. But I prefer um not that I prefer, but I find it really interesting, uh, like urban horror, because I feel like it's not done super often, but something like Candyman or Rosemary's Baby. And this comes down to my own personal like neuroses where like, I know I've talked about it in the past, like walking in a friend's house being burglarized and having sleep anxiety from that uh, from as, as a kid. Um, <clears throat> but like, so when I lived on, on my own for the first time, having loud neighbors around my apartment I felt like I wasn't like alone where I was like, Oh, there's people around me. Like I'm in this, this place surrounded by people, like nothing bad's going to happen. But when there are movies where something bad is happening to somebody who's surrounded by all these people in an urban setting and like they're complete, they're not isolated, but they are isolated mentally in what's going on. Like in terms of the horror, that's really interesting to me that like, there's this thing happening and there's all these people around they can reach out to, but they just like can't for whatever reason. I think that's really interesting. I thought you were talking about like a Rosemary's baby where everyone keeps telling them they're crazy uh-huh. um, yeah. or something like I that. Mean, that's I wrote that down for later on in the episode. Like that's like an ideal sort of situation. I loved that when I saw that at the time, it was really unique. Candyman to me is really unique, especially the, I feel like even though the reboot was not as great as people expected it to be, I feel like that movie did almost like as good a job of like this sort of setting of like, urban environment and only the main characters kind of going through this thing that happens. Maybe not a better job, but it does a really good job of that. Do you think that plays into, um, you know, the bystander effect? Like you've taken like a sociology course. They talk about that case of Kitty Genovese, who was like getting murdered in like the courtyard or something of a building. And there's all these people that heard something or saw something, but no one did anything. Do you think that kind of plays into it where it's like you are, isolate like no one is helping you or just like no one is aware of what's happening to you do you think it's more of like the psychological component of it uh not really for myself um that is a really good sort of observation but in terms of like my interest i guess it would just be like the inability to reach out to people around you maybe yeah, I'm sure there are lots of really good movies that do this, the bystander effect, pretty well. Um, I can't think of any off the top of my head, but but no, that's a good a good point to bring up too. I do like the. Uh, I think I used this word in our last episode, so I'm gonna use it again. The juxtaposition of our answers, where like for me in the environments I named. And even, Karen, like, this kind of isolated situation, it's almost like seeing anyone else that isn't the threat is like, oh, thank God, there's someone else, like, I am safe. And yours is, they're around you, but, like, you can't access them. And so there is kind of, like, this weird isolation factor in each of those concepts, which is unique. At the carnival, I don't know, man. I don't know how isolating clown houses are, but... I thought we were going to address that later, and so I was just kind of giving some like minor examples of like it interests me immediately off the bat when I see something like that. Although I couldn't think of a lot of other examples of actual movies that take place in something like that that I like, other than something wicked. My example was going to be isolation and heat, like Texas Chainsaw Massacre, 
even um the this the prequel they did to the uh 2003 one or whatever it was uh texas chainsaw the beginning um where it takes place in a slaughterhouse and it just has this like oppressive heat and just like sticky disgusting like not only is there nobody around that can help you but it's just uncomfortable and there's just something very very uh irksome about that like i don't know if that's my ideal setting but it's definitely effective to have the environment be all encompassing to everybody where they you you notice it in the film where they everybody's experiencing it and that's like the number one i think of is just texas chainsaw and the visibly overheated cast in that movie i wonder how much of that uh plays into us being from the midwest and there is like actually like a physical difference in like the weather and elements we're used to and the cultural difference like, I just, I wonder how that answer tracks geographically for horror fans, or if that's just scary to anyone. I would, I would think the Sawyer family is scary to most people, but yeah. They're like, no, that checks out. That's like the kind of people I run into normally where I live. Well, because then on the opposite end of the scale, you have the thing, because it's, it's an isolated environment. There's no possible way to get help. And what it I is freezing thinking. cold. It is like, it, yep. you cannot live outside uh, for more than a certain amount of time or you will freeze to death. Uh, so like, it's funny because I think about somewhere cold and this is my Midwestern. And I'm like, that seems so much nicer than somewhere radiating, just deadly, like deathly heat all the time. Cause I'm like, would I rather have a numb body or a sticky, uncomfortable body? And for some reason, my brain's like, you'd rather be numb. I don't know Same. if that's actually true. Same. Yeah. No, that's exactly how I feel. Like if I, if I had to choose between, the setting of Texas Chainsaw and the setting of The Thing, I will always choose The Thing. And not just because Kurt Russell is there, but because it's cold. That's a tough um, one. Yeah, your your question, Nikki, is interesting. Like, I never thought about that. Like, I wouldn't necessarily say like the Deep South and the Heat is like a, a horror setting that I particularly like, like seek out or anything like that, but I think the Heat in that movie is definitely um, dreadful to me in from the scope of just being from the Midwest, like the Chicago going back to weather and geographical geographical locations, Chicago summers is when it's really humid. It's fucking miserable. So like when I see the Texas chainsaw massacre, that's what I picture despite knowing that Texas uh, summers aren't as humid as Illinois. Whenever I've gotten off of the L not at true. any point, I don't think I've ever gotten off that train not like sweaty or uncomfortable. I don't know what it is about uh, being on a train. Maybe I'm nervous being around a bunch of other people, but when I think of Chicago, I think of just constantly being sweaty. It's great. Wonderful. Maybe it's because yeah. I rode my bike all the time in the winter, too. Can't win. Well, it's also interesting that Alex... You, me, and Brad just kind of in your more like urban setting. And Karen, I think we've talked about this on previous episodes too. Like that public transportation element, I think is anxiety inducing like as a normal person to varying capacities no matter what. And so when you put like a horror in that, like I think Brad, you had mentioned in our werewolf episode, you talked about the scene in American Werewolf in London where that guy's alone. And it's just like this echoey train uh, station and he or subway really 
and just like the echoing your you have like one or two paths you can go down i think for um me and karen maybe there's a different like <laughs> people are scary on the train but i think that's interesting that like we've all kind of talked about that setting in the past and kind of have brought it up here in a unique way because it's it's not there's not many movies i i can think of midnight meat train and like train to busan that are like specifically take place or snakes on a plane, which I've actually never seen, but I don't know. Like those are kind of unique situations and planes are different. Cause I feel like planes have their own. Planes are different. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but there's like for planes, there's not the social fear that I have on like a train or a subway, the plane, there's more of like the existential will the machinery work. Does that tie into class conflict and sort of yes. our own biases against other people that we see as like different socially. I don't think it's on purpose. I'm not like being like, are you a, I don't know, a bigot against the lower class? No, Nikki, there's but totally no, I'm just, a class yeah. element to it because there's like an assumption that if you're on a plane, you have a level of wealth that, you know, keeps you isolated from other people. And on a train, like, and even just in horror, you see, like, I just think of, like, Chud. You know what I mean? Like, anything from the underground can make its way down into an underground transportation. Like, there's quite literally levels to being in the sky and being underground and just, like, whatever social, you know, economic implications that is that are around us. Which, yeah, there, we could really do, like, a whole episode on how fucked up that is. But yeah, and I mean, I've been harassed on a subway. I've never been harassed on a plane. So there's the actual element of like where I've experienced fear and harassment on public transportation. But yes, you're right. Yeah, definitely. That's a really interesting topic. Um, I, I want to come back to that someday, but I want to move on to settings for today. But that is a good point. I feel like trains, like people like, is more it's just more people coming and going whereas planes like you're in a more controlled anyway. a lot of the bus horror i'm trying to think of horror that takes place on a bus that was like texas mm. chainsaw massacre Speed. 2022 oh jesus christ oh the one other thing this it's 2023 is the last thing let's I'll say. forget about it yeah the one other thing and then we'll move on from the planes versus trains and automobiles section but with planes there's so many levels of like there's so many barriers to entry and like security that happens ahead of boarding a plane that there doesn't feel like the physical fear, like with a train. I think that's another thing for me too, is like, I don't feel like someone on a plane could or would have a weapon. <laughs> I don't know. There's a lot to unpack there. Moving along. Yeah. Let's move along to our next, our next uh, station here. What horror settings do nothing for you? What horror setting just makes you go, huh, I don't care. Alex, this is this is your topic. Go ahead. My topic? I don't know. <laughs> because I was feeling cynical earlier. It's really funny because I feel like I'm in class because that is the one question that I don't have answered. And I was like, I'm going to see what other people say. And I'll probably come up with something. And then I was like, fuck, teacher called on me right away. We'll, we'll come back to you. We'll come back. Okay, to you. great. Thanks. I'll just interject as I usually do. Oh, perfect. <laughs> Karen, what about you? What is a horror setting that you just like, like, eh? The Haunted Mansion. 
that really surprises me. Like, because because of how into hauntings in real life you are, the idea of you just not being interested in like the fantasy of it, uh, of like some sort of uh, so ghostly I, place. I used to be. Yeah. That's the thing. Like, I used to be. That was a big thing for me. But ever since I started going on like my own ghost hunts, now I'm just like, well, I don't fucking care. Like, just like ghost movies just don't tickle me the way that they used to. But a part of a big reason for that is because. Um, I started going and doing it myself and like really going into haunted places and um, trying to experience those things for myself. So, so it's why seen, I'm like, just. You've seen how like the sausage is made pretty much like, you know, what yeah. goes on behind the scenes. It's... Yeah. Once you, you watch eating people. I'm sorry. I probably took that away from you, but I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's okay. I was going to, I was just going to say like, once you like, now that you're like in the know, like, you probably watch like ghost movies like oh all they need to do is get this and ask this question and blah 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 and like you kind of i mean kind of but it's just i feel like there's just so many tropes around that have been instilled in the horror genre when it comes to like the paranormal that it'd be cool to see a pair here listen up jordan peel because i know you listen to our podcast <laughs> um but It'd be cool to see them kind of take it into another direction than just like sad ghost story or evil demon story. Um, there's so many like cool sci-fi ideas around that could be tossed around in their like different dimensions and um, like time stuff, like like different time periods that just happen to overlap. Um, like there's other there's so much other stuff that can be done than just like what you see and shit like the fucking conjuring um but yeah so the, the i i just i'm not interested like i'll watch them but they they don't it's not the thing i go after for sure Karen did you ever see a ghost story with Casey Affleck maybe, Love maybe. That movie. This I did not like it when Super I first watched it, but I want to rewatch it. It's not really a horror movie, but you should you should check it out. It's kind of like goes into a lot of the things that you're talking about just now. Carrie, I called you Carrie. Karen, get really stoned and watch it. I like okay. sobbed. I watched it twice. <laughs> and I was like, this movie changed my life. <laughs> <laughs> well, these aren't like new ideas, but they're just I, I just have never seen them. Like these are ideas that get tossed around when you talk about like ghost hunting quote unquote like these are the things that like folks talk about but you don't see that when it comes to horror movies at this point like you still it's mostly just the same haunted doll haunted house sad story about how they died and that's why they haunt and or demon and it's just like do something new. <laughs> like Wait, I don't know. Did it's... I did I miss something? Was that was like haunted mansions? Both your ideal and least favorite. No, no, no. They're my least favorite. As opposed to, like, when I my ideal setting is an isolated setting, but where that does not apply is the haunted mansion. Oh, does that make sense? No, I'm. I think I conflated. But I thought that was your favorite. I know no. you want to live there. So what do you yes. mean, like, for your favorite for an isolated setting? Like, what's a good... I mean, you you kind of touched on all the big ones, like, that I've lumped it all into. Like, like all of my favorites are, like, Blair Witch Project, something in the woods, like a cabin in the woods type of a situation. Or 
uh, Texas Chainsaw, where you're in the deep south and it's just dirty and uncomfortable and you're in somebody else's house, like that type of isolated setting. Basically, if you scream, no one will hear you type of a thing. Word. Okay. Yeah. What about space? Oh, yes. No, spoiler, that's my answer. Excuse me, my turn. Um, <laughs> Go my ahead, Nikki. Let's say it in the count of three. Okay, one, two, two three. three. Space. 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 <laughs> Go on, Woo! Nikki. Well, okay, it, that was also a subcategory in my larger umbrella of horror settings that don't really do it for me are new, like new worlds or worlds I'm not a part of. Um, because I find it's hard for me to get in the headspace of something that's not based in a reality that I know or can understand. However, however, I will say like alien works for me because that is a contained space within It's like a home in space. You're kind of confined to a certain environment. You're not, I'm not like exploring the surface of Mars. Um, but an example like Hellraiser 2. I really like Hellraiser 2 a lot. It's probably one of my favorite sequels. It is one of my favorite sequels. And I'm really glad we get to explore kind of the layer of hell with the Cenobites for a bit. But like that doesn't scare me because it's so unrelated to what I'm aware of or the place that I feel places that I have felt scared. It's cool to see to move a story along, but I just don't think that kind of setting scares me. Jason X, I love, it's a contained spaceship in space. And that's great. So I guess I can't really think of many examples. Like even Predator is great because that's kind of a forest scary movie. It's not really about where Predator is from. So I'm having a hard time thinking of examples beyond like Hellraiser 2 where we're in this, kind of new world but those don't usually work for me but yeah if it i don't love when like even if we're in a spaceship that we're in space that still takes me out of it to some degree anyway yeah i had that was half of my answer as well like in like space or like in or on the ocean also does nothing for me like extreme isolation like that um with two exceptions being Jaws and Alien um, because they're great movies. But yeah, like it's just hard to sort of, it's like a whole nother world. Like you said, like you don't like other worlds, but like it's like a whole other dimension of thinking for me that I can't even like picture myself in, like being like deep underwater or like way out on the ocean or way in space or something like that. Like it's just so far from my day-to-day reality that it's hard to, even though like in these movies, characters can be great and you can understand characters and get in, like, inside their heads and everything. But just like being in that setting uh, doesn't really do too much for me. Yeah. And I also think too, um, another one, I don't have it written down, but I was thinking of like your concept of urban settings. I feel like in a zombie movie, we often get kind of like a, apocalyptic city situation i don't really thrive off of more like apocalyptic environments for the same reason but like seeing like desolate city streets that people are walking through even though that's a familiar environment it just feels too vast for me in the same way that space does so i'm putting that on mine too it's fair 
I'm changing all of my homework for partial credit because now that we've had this discussion, it's really opened up my thoughts about everything. And as you brought up like underwater, I think that is my ideal setting, but I don't have a good example of a movie where I thought it was really, really good. Um, but as far as like something I would be terribly afraid of, uh, it would be like a sea monster deep in the ocean or something like that. Like it, even though it's unrealistic and it's a place I can imagine exists. Um, I was like obsessed with the Loch Ness monster as a kid. Like I, it's just like a fun thing to follow around. Um, that's kind of what I want out of like a, a really good horror movie is uh, I like creatures and I like um, nautical things. That's kind of what's fun about Lovecraftian horror is he was so close to the ocean. A lot of his things sort of had take on these like aquatic properties, which is why everything is associated with like tentacles, etc. cetera. Um, and as far as like my least favorite settings, it's, like I'm thinking about it, and I'm like, there's a good example in a lot of things. Like you're like, you guys aren't into space, and I'm like, yeah, but I really like Event Horizon, or I really like Alien. Um, so space horror is its own genre, and it's it's very cool. Um, so there's not a lot I don't like where I like the setting itself or knowing where it was. I wouldn't be interested in because the, if the setting tells me about the genre of the movie, that's more about what would turn me off to it. So like for example, and she might listen to this, so I apologize in advance. Like we went and saw. Um, Winchester, that movie about the Winchester house, is just a cheesy like ghost story. Like the point is, it's going to be jump scares. It's going to be something that uh, it, that's the kind of stuff Tiff likes is is um, is ghost movies and like jump scary kind of like uh, I don't know. That's it's the house as the setting, and that is probably my least like something I'd be least interested in is something like that. I'll still watch it. Um, I also don't really care for. Uh, but it's it goes beyond a place, which is beyond the scope of the question, but religion involved. So, like, if it's not the exorcist and it looks like the exorcist or it looks like there's a convent or anything involved, no thanks. Like, that's I just not, I'm just immediately not pulled in by that. It d- doesn't really answer the question, but that just kind of shows how hard it is to think that storytelling is more important to me and having the setting be a part of that is important to me. And I know that I can be proven wrong by all of these. Oh no, absolutely. Like, I don't mean like, I guess when I ask what does nothing for you is kind of just like this conversation here. Like it isn't say like, I don't like space. I'm not watching any space movies. Cause there are a lot of good ones. You named event horizon. Uh, we already talked about alien and you know, when I was young, I really liked the doom movie despite not seeing it in 15 years. I'll probably never watch it again because I don't want to sully my, 15 year old opinion of it um but <laughs> Burfy, motherfucker yeah oh, come on that movie's sick um <laughs> uh, but i mean that is to say that i don't like horror movies set in space um but literally like everything you said describing tips uh enjoyments and everything just describes Kara to a t too so we're i'm right there on the same page with you especially about like religion and stuff like well, how many so fucking like, I know, I know. I want to share this thing. It's like we both like this genre, but there's just a different flavor on either end of the scale where we're like, eh. Like, she has no yep. interest in a lot of the stuff. I don't know how she suffered through and watched two or three of the Saw movies with me. Because to say that that doesn't do anything for her is an understatement. I actually, I don't know why it does anything for anyone. It was a morbid curiosity. I wanted to say that I did it. I feel like uh, I did a food challenge that nobody <laughs> dared me to do um, or something like that. <laughs> Like imagine, I, it's it's a hot you ones did interview. Super size me. Watched McDonald's for a month straight. Exactly. 
Yeah, but nobody asked me to do it, and nobody gave a shit, but I kept talking about it and be like, happy solid days, everybody. I thought of a pun, and that's why I did this. And that's, <laughs> uh, so the, it's like, I'm, I'm just... So I had a dog make a noise, and it surprised me for a second here. Scary think, setting, someone else's house. Mm-hmm. Um, it, I think you bring up a great point, Alex, and Brad, you as well, about uh, separating sort of the setting from the story, because... A setting that I prefer does not mean I'm going to like the movie better. Like if we compare Blair Witch, which is a woods-based movie, which is kind of my ideal horror setting, versus Alien, which is space, I like Alien infinitely more. So there's, And I can think of a lot of examples of that. Or even, I, again, I don't like necessarily the this horror movie is taking place in the protagonist's home. And so, like, that's not my jam, but there's a lot of movies I like that do fall into that category. So it's kind of interesting that you can sort of separate the setting from the story. And when you can get them both together at the same time, that's great. But, you know, there's different elements to that. May I segue us into the next? Only because I have a really good comment it just uh, all right i'll just say what i'm gonna say um (laughs) so as far as impactful horror settings and what makes a horror setting impactful you kind of just nailed it nikki for me for me the when a horror setting is the most impactful is it when it basically plays the role of a character as part of the storyline like the whole reason alien is as good as it is, is because it is set in space. Like, it'd be such a different film if they were on some kind of, like, base camp in, you know, uh, in another planet. It's just, there is something very specific about that. Um, same thing with the Blair Witch Project. Like, that movie would not be what it is without the setting that it's set in, right? So for me, the setting is impactful when it actually plays a key part of the storyline it's why i fucking loved barbarian i mean it's not it's one of the many reasons i love barbarian but the setting itself is what drew is what drew me in and then all of this but it's still that house that fucking house in that basement played such a pivotal role in the whole film right and and just like in the entire it tied the whole story together so for me that's what makes like a super impactful horror setting is when it truly becomes a, a, a character alongside yeah. the rest of the characters in the film. I almost had that written down verbatim. I said when the setting plays an active role in the fear factor, and that seems really obvious, but if you think of like A Nightmare on Elm Street or Halloween, the whole point of the sequels is you're moving around to different environments because the environments, they add, but they're not what are supposed to scare you. It's the antagonist. It's the villain. And I think exactly to your point, like, when the setting plays an active role, like another one I didn't list in my favorites, but a personal favorite. And I actually think this might be um, a great example because I think it's part of the reason that Alex and I will watch these types of films, but like you and Brad maybe won't. Like I think of um, like Hostel and Martyrs, like where you're kind of in like a tortured dungeon that feels so um, claustrophobic and inescapable. Like it's almost like, you can't fathom getting out of this situation. And there's, I can understand how there's maybe, and I might be projecting or not getting to some of the reasons you guys don't like it, but there's almost like a, there's no joy in it because 
it's so doom inducing like how can you fathom escaping this like metal basement full of like rusty tools but to me i'm like that is so fucking scary and because the setting is so horrific i'm like i have to watch that and i will just flag for the audio version of the podcast not just our text my mom watched martyrs and loved it i was on the phone with her today and she shouts to my uncle andy she's like andy turn on martyrs you're gonna love it he doesn't like horror she did the same thing with him with tusk and he watched tusk and he was like what the hell he was pissed and she just told him to watch martyrs so anyway i think yeah like the setting is so fuck even saw alex maybe this is a good time to talk about saw but like that's an environment that i'm like how the fuck are you gonna get out of this and i can see why that could turn people off because it's like this idea of torture and you're stuck in this like weird dungeony thing is hard <laughs> nikki that was a really bad example because he gives you instructions how to get out every time oh and yeah no- and nobody listens. And he I, is in your stomach. <laughs> the thing that I've picked up from those movies the most, which I will get out of the way as quickly as possible, is that in every single scene where there is a trap, uh, the person will hear the instructions and they will decide to do them with 15 seconds left. So you get to see them do the horrible thing and then they still die from the trap. And so you get to see all, everything all at once. So thank, thank you, Saw Films, for doing what you do. Happy Solidays. Yeah. Brad, impactful environments? This is more of a convention of the storytelling in movies. Um, but it is it it is it has to do with the setting. And I'll explain why in a second. Like I mentioned earlier, liking like populated environments. Um, we've talked a lot about like isolation and stuff too. Like the setting is sort of secondary really to like the storytelling in the movie. Um, that being said. I don't know where I'm going with this. I'm gonna restart. <laughs> okay, I had thoughts. Um, There's more of a uh, sentiment about the storytelling of these two movies that I'm going to reference. Um, but something that is really impactful to me is when the settings, opposite of what you're saying, Nikki, is when the settings seems like it's something you can escape from. That there will be an end to what is going on. And in a lot of like stereotypical horror movies, it's like, oh, it's daytime. Thank God we can get away from there. But you look at movies like The Strangers, or even the, this is a horrible movie, but The Grudge from 2020, I think, the very like end, there was just like, this long lingering shot of uh, the front of the house, like while there's like somebody being murdered by a ghost thing during the daytime, like when the setting switches to like this horrible thing was happening at nighttime, and now it's daytime, now it's over. And then, like, there's a thing. It's like, oh, wait, it's not over, even though it's daytime. I don't know how to, like, synthesize this down into, like, one little word to describe this. But when the setting is sort of, like, you think it's it's safe, when it looks peaceful and everything looks the opposite of what it was during this hor- like, most horrific event, and then you find out it's not over. Like, again, that's more of, like, a... It's getting your expectations like, subverted. It's yeah. the same, same reason that humor works in certain situations, like... Yeah, it's the same way that horror would. Friday the 13th ending, like personified. Yeah. Nightmare on Elm Street when the the inflatable mom gets pulled through the window. Yeah, that's what I was thinking of when you said that. Was this the. the... So you do like that? Oh, I love it. I mean, The Strangers is so impactful because, like, again, 
it's more of the storytelling than it is the setting. But the whole night, like they're being hounded by these killers and everything. They wake up, it's daytime. And they're like, oh, it's over. Then the strangers walk out and take their masks off. And like the characters know that they're going to die because the strangers showed them their faces. And you think, I mean, I feel like before that, there weren't a lot of examples of like date time. The thing's over. Never mind. We're dead. The end. Um, and then with like the grudge, even though it was a dog shit movie, something about like. Let's clarify. The, the, we mean the remake because the original the remake, yeah. fucking rocks. You There's mean a the remake scare. of the remake. Yeah, the 2020 version. Yeah, uh, yes. But there's like something about like that last shot because like there's a jump scare in the house and then it just cuts to like a long, long lingering shot of like a suburban house like during the day as like kids are like walking by but, like inside the main character is being like murdered by like their ghost child. It's a pretty good shot. Alex, impactful setting. I yeah, yep. Impactful horror setting. What makes an impactful horror setting? I'm sure, we already covered it, and all of you have said the same thing because obviously the impact of it is the is what the environment creates for the characters. Um, it could it could be something as simple as like the fact that the house was built on the graveyard in Poltergeist. Like it impacts the story. It's a part of it in a way that is intertwined. Um, I guess I'm, I feel like it's such a, a I guess surface level thing to say to be like when the setting helps the story. To story better, yay! Um, but that I mean that is obviously uh, something like Jaws. Like it, there's a reason that it's scary is because those people clearly could not help themselves and they had to get in that ocean all because of capitalism. Um, or like they were saying with Poltergeist, where they bought this new house not realizing that uh, I, mean, I guess the house is like the sort of evil entity in that um, or anything like that. I don't actually know how to give a deeper answer than that other than well, just it it matters. I think that is a good answer because uh, when I was just thinking through this topic the other day, I had an example of a movie and I, I'm sure I've mentioned it on an episode before where you would think it's pretty obvious to have the story and the setting intertwined. But I always come back to the first uh, Purge, The Purge, and how that movie had such a profound plot where for a certain set of time all crime is legal people can do whatever they want seek revenge whatever like that's a pretty profound and big story and they isolated it to one person's house when it's like i want to see what's going on in the rest of the world and this is the antithesis of my favorite horror setting like taking us into an urban setting or into a vast place full of people but for the story that they were trying to tell that's exactly what that movie needed granted there were sequels that did that i think i saw one of them i don't really know i'm sure they weren't great but like that's an example of where the story did not match the setting that we got to see for that first one despite it being a setting i would have preferred it's just a more compact spot so i i Alex, to your point, like, I think that is valid. It seems obvious, but sometimes the story and the setting do not match and it kind of takes you out of it. And sometimes it's the reason you don't like a movie. Even if you didn't liked the story, you didn't like the setting or you liked the setting, but you didn't like the story. Can seems splatter, obvious, but yeah. Can I splatter brains us a moment and uh, make an argument that everyone's been making in like the last decade that these movies have been coming out? But what a half-baked idea 
in general. The idea that you could just kill your neighbor's kid, and then the next day it's like, it's cool. We, you got it out of your system. He's going to be dead forever, but it, I forgive you. I feel great. Life is good. Like, just what the fuck, man? Like, it's like somebody wrote down one sentence on a note, piece of notepad paper, and they're like, franchise. It is kind of, it reminds me of, like, the actual holiday, Halloween, and then I never know what I'm going to dress up as. And then on November 1st, I'm like, oh, shit, I should have been a fish. And then I have to wait a whole calendar year till that day comes around. It's like, shit, my neighbor murdered my kid last night. Fuck, I can't murder him till next year. So it's like every purge day is just like revenge for the previous year. In, it just builds infinity. more social tension until yeah. we're just, yeah, it's, it seems to make things worse. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I think we can agree at a minimum it shouldn't have taken place in Ethan Hawke's house. Yes, yes, I agree with that. I've only seen, I think, the next one, whatever that was, where it's it is actually people going around a city and at least explores that a little bit and tries to talk about class. So they made an effort, but boy, what they should have done is purge transportation, and then we can explore the classism of subways, planes, and buses. No, not this episode. <laughs> um, do you guys have any like examples of a movie you wanted to like call out and talk about a little bit, maybe even gush a little bit, uh, that uses the setting particularly well? I see a couple nods. Karen, why don't you get us started? All right, I've already mentioned this film, but um, the f- literal first movie that came to mind when I think of setting is The Blair Witch Project, because I think about the first time I saw it when I was like, 12 years old and my parents let me rent it over the summer and my dad decided to watch it because my dad really my dad loves horror too so my dad decided to watch it but I was like I'm not watching it with anybody I'm gonna wait till everybody goes to bed I'm gonna watch it by myself downstairs in the living room and that was the first horror movie I had watched at that age up until that age too that I had to pause the movie and turn the lights on because I was so fucking scared because the thought of going out camping, not just the fact that they they might be being followed by something, but the fact that they're fucking lost in the woods just in general is fucking terrifying. And I think that the entire idea of placing that entire film in the woods, it, it's just, it was fucking brilliant and... um the setting will always be the primary character for me in that film. I have others, but I'll, I'll, I'll stop there. <laughs> okay. I'm going to go. Cause I have one. Um, yeah. I'll, I'll just name one too. Maybe we could do like a little circle. Karen, I feel like you're going to be mad. You didn't say this one unless it's your number two. Cause I know you feel the exact same way. And we've talked about this movie a lot here. But I think The Descent is the perfect example of horror, <laughs> Karen's fist, of horror setting. Um, and it kind of breaks all sorts of rules. It doesn't fit into a clean category because there's moments of claustrophobia. There's moments of extreme vastness. It's kind of an area that none of us like actually really know personally, unless any of us go spelunking, but based on our personalities and interests I very much doubt that Um, you're adjusting to a dark environment and what I think is most intriguing for me personally is uh, I know there's a couple of different 
endings to this movie, but the end where like she gets that spot of light and her head just comes to the surface, like the amount of relief you feel, but really she's coming to the surface into a big scary forest in my opinion. So the fact that a setting that is otherwise very scary to me, which is just like the isolated woods, was a moment of relief for me is really cool. It's like there's layers of fear. It was like you took us deeper than the woods, which is already scary to me. And then for her to come back out into the woods and for me to be like, ah. Oh. So I always think that's really cool when the moment of relief you get is still taking you back out. You know, like in Hostel, when he escapes the dungeon and he's walking still through the scary fucking like factory they're at. Like the fact that you're still relieved, I think that is like kind of genius in horror films. Yeah, that I was gonna say that ties in like to exactly to what I was saying about like the the shift today and like the strangers and the shitty grudge re remake. It's it is goes back to an episode we did earlier last year and I think that rewatching Dawn of the Dead, the George A. Romero one from the seventies, was a very interesting thing to do because I in my brain think like this is one of the best zombie movies and then rewatching it I went I don't know that I like this as much as I used to like it however like it's not like it feels like it was an experiment the whole time like there wasn't really a plot to be told it was just what if we took these people in this situation and we put them in this environment and so the setting is the entire point of the movie is the fact that people congregate to shopping malls because they don't know any better. And so even extreme circumstances, they put themselves in these shopping centers that they've been indoctrinated with their whole lives, including the dead people, uh, which is an interesting thing to, to sort of dig through. So I think that is one of the best examples of using setting in a horror movie, while at the same time kind of thinking, I wonder if it's... I Loving it less. It's not my favorite Romero movie anymore. That's still still the original Night of the Living Dead, but having a sh- I I think of sh- when I think of shopping malls, I think of zombie movies because of that. For sure, yeah, it is like a perfect. It is like like a perfect setting for it. Like it's just goes hand in hand. It's a classic. Um, yeah. For myself, I cheated a little bit because I mentioned this at the at the at the jump that some of like the examples that we're going to talk about it's kind of hard to take the time period away from the, the physical setting itself. Um, but a movie that I think uses its setting really, really well is The Vavitch or The Witch from Robert Eggers. The isolation, like the degree of isolation that they're, the family's in throughout the movie is so extreme, but it's also s- still within our world, so it's still something that we can kind of all like fathom. Um, it's used so well if they're on like this dead or dying piece of property. I think it's kind of driving them all a little bit mad and like the setting is used so well that like as a viewer, even though you know the movie's called The Witch and like you've seen the glimpses of the witch, you can kind of start to question whether or not there's something that's actually happening or it's kind of like the isolation that's driving them insane. But as we all know, there are actual covens of witches and Satan that are fucking up this family's shit. But it's just so it's so scary how isolated they are and that it's just this however many of them there were six seven people just living on that little piece of property. It's great. It's a great fucking movie. 
Can we go around and do our secondary ones? Sure. Karen? Well. Another one that I felt the setting was used particularly well was Scream. Um, that was one of those films where, Nikki, you, you touch on this a lot, but that idea of the home and, and the home being invaded. But what scared me the most when I was a preteen, young teen, seeing this film when it came out um, was the idea that, like, this could happen to me. Like, growing up in the suburbs, like, this isn't anywhere out of the ordinary. Like, these people live in the same types of houses that me and my friends live in. Like, they go to, like, high school parties. Like, these are all, like, just the most innocuous setting. And then to have, you know, this unknown killer and what turns to be out killers on the loose was like, yeah, that'd be fucking terrifying. Um, to have just like a random killer on the loose and like school getting canceled and all kinds of stuff. But knowing that their reactions to it of like having that party and all of that is like, and yeah, that's exactly what kids would do. Like, fuck it. Who cares? Um, we're invincible type thing. And I feel like it used the setting to its advantage quite a bit. So that's another one that I really, really enjoyed. Um, my second one is also a rule breaker, Brad. Because fuck the rules. Um, you guys are gonna maybe laugh that I even thought of this one. <laughs> and it's, I think it maybe was not the first, but it was the first one that I saw that did this. And I can think of a couple examples since. But M. Night Shyamalan's The Village. Say what you want. But it literally takes place in a village of a certain period. And you're kind of thrust into a very particular point in time and like the twist is that uh the main gal bryce dallas howard uh leaves the village to get some medicine and then basically stumbles into modern day and then like we realize this village was created and we like actually are in modern times and it was just a complete subversion like the you know the setting didn't look too different it's like we saw a paved road and then she got to like a ranger station but the fact that this place that we as the audience put ourselves in for like an hour and now we're like, oh, we're not where we thought we were at all was really, really cool. And I think the only, or the next time that happened to me is watching Cabin in the Woods. So just kind of, Brad, what you were talking about earlier, those settings, regardless of what the movie is doing or if it's good at the end. But when your expectations are just completely subverted like that, a little bit different than like the night today thing, but similar emotion. It's like you think it fucking barbarian. You think this is what the movie is and this is where you are and you kind of adjust to how you're going to ingest the next 90 minutes. And then the movie says, gotcha, that ain't it. I think for me, like the village was the first time I had experienced that. So I'm going to give M. Night Shyamalan, you know, his little kudos there. Nikki, that is a great example. That is like perfect spot on to talking about like the setting being like a character in and of itself. Alex, it's going to be a tough act to follow up. You get another uh, movie you want to gush about? Well, I will say that The Descent is probably the best choice we've had on this list because that is terrifying. And it does for me the same thing that Underwater does, where it's so dark and so unknown but it's still a very real place that we can imagine, which is just caves with very deep pits and things that we cannot 
fathom what's in them because it would be so dire for humans to try and actually explore them. Um, but I would say that anywhere people are stuck and distrust is sown, uh, typically utilizes this environment to be a really good setting. So we talked about the thing. I think the mist is another good example, but the difference is, is they are aware of the threat on the outside and they're too afraid to leave and sort of what happens within that. And the fact that they're in a grocery store more or less ties into the rest of the story for quite a bit of it. Uh, I'm trying to think of other examples of like people stuck together. It's not a horror movie, but I mean, that's what Tarantino's hateful eight was, was a bunch of people stuck in a snowstorm. And it turns out they've all got ulterior motives and they're all horrible people and how that sort of implodes eventually. I'd like to explore that where it's not just everybody kills each other by the end of it, but at the very least it's uh, the setting provides a lot of the storytelling because people are trapped somewhere. So they're going to have to utilize the environment in some way to move on. Alex, you're going to love my answer and you guys should have seen this coming up from a million miles away. But I'm going to say the shining, That's the overlook uh, hotel, <laughs> just the long, I had that written down too. the long months of being in the hotel. Uh, it's, the the movie is sort of a thing like in and of itself like it uses the name characters location and themes but the movie is a lot more ambiguous as to what is going on in the hotel and more specifically in the mind of Jack Torrance where in the book it's pretty explicitly like spirits uh but the movie the Stanley Kubrick one not the 1994 remake uh the Stanley Stanley Kubrick movie um it's a lot more ambiguous as to what's going on. Is are there actual spirits in the Overlook that are influencing Jack, or is it all in Jack's mind and his like alcoholism and the isolation and the pressure of you know being the caretaker of the hotel and also wanting to write a book? Uh, is that all getting to him? And yeah, the, the it is a really prime example of the setting being another character in the story as well. Yeah, Brad, that's a, a really good one. I kind of had that written down because um, it the environment is so interesting because it is both contained and like kind of claustrophobic, but also so vast. You know what I mean? There's a feeling of being trapped, but within like a really large amount of space, which is like a really unique thing to pair because there are some moments where you feel like you're, you could just get lost in like the danger of the hotel and what's around and in each room. But then there's other times where you're like, how the fuck am I going to get out of here? And so that's, I think that's like the only movie I can think of top of head that does both of those things at the same time. Yeah. I think you touched on this, but like the fact that they obviously go into the room number two seventeen. is that the room number that they go into Um, where the woman in the tub is? We've had like a whole, we had to do a Google session on this because the book and the movie gave us two different 137? Numbers. It was like, two, I think it's 217. I can confirm in a second because I, I have a picture at the hotel. Anyways, the woman's in the bathtub in the one room and later on. 237. Game, that's the name of the documentary about the movie. Then I, was, I just picked up that documentary. Um, But then we see like a, the man in the, the man in the dog costume in like another room. Um, it does a really great job of kind of exploring the fear of like the unknown, like anything could be behind one of these doors. Like, I don't know about you guys, but I have not necessarily recurring dreams, but dreams a lot about like having a house or being in a place where there's like a part of the house where I've never been. And for whatever reason, or like there's a door that I've never noticed. And there's parts of the house that I don't know about and stuff. 
this movie is like that to a T. And that's a really common theme to have in dreams. And it's really fucking creepy when you wake up and you're like, oh my god, I don't want to go down that hallway for whatever reason. I just had one of those dreams <laughs> a few nights ago, for real. And it, it still gives me the heaps when I think creepy. about it. I hate it. It's so creepy. For clarity, the in the novel, The Shining, the infamous hotel room was 217, but it was changed to room 237 at the request of the Timberline Lodge, where the exterior shots were filmed. Interesting. Both are true. I feel like we, this is the exact conversation we had yes. last time we talked about this, too. Cause a wheel, doctor. Cause a wheel. Mm-hmm. Ah, I had a dream uh, that someone shit on my shoe in a haunted house. <laughs> One of my friends. I'm glad you ended that sentence with shoe. Yeah, and it was uh, in one of my horror settings, a haunted house. So, wow, serendipitous. Do we have any last thoughts about horror settings or therein? I think the story should really have settings, Brad. That's my hot take. It's really brave of you to say. Thank I can't you. believe you said that. Finally do you want to edit this up. part out of the episode? Oh, absolutely not. I want everybody to know. Okay, cancel Lupella 2023. Well, I uh, think my final thought, what I learned from this is just, <laughs> this is so profound, how important all the pieces together are. Like, I can have a preferred setting or what scares me, but if you don't pair it right with the good story, oh, like, who cares? Um, and I learned that I'm classist in terms of my fear of various forms of transportation. Um, <laughs> but I don't think I'm alone in that. And I blame society and capitalism. Yeah, capitalism sucks. That's the scariest setting to live in. You can go to our Patreon. I'm just kidding. We don't have a Patreon. <laughs> Not yet. Um, I have a would you rather. Okay. Brad, <laughs> my would you rather is would you rather be in be a character in a horror movie in space or a character in a horror movie in the middle of the ocean uh see ocean is tough because i have a fear of i don't want to drown i feel like that would be a shitty way to, to die um but space i feel like that opens up the door to like all kinds of weird like like event horizon like dimensional wormhole shit i'll say ocean i guess I don't like it, though. I am going with space for the exact reasons that Brad actually just listed. Um, I feel like if I have the opportunity to experience space, I'm going to take it. Pass on that grass. I think I would take the ocean because drowning would really suck. But at least, I don't know, it's, it's just something that I think is more interesting. I feel like having like my soul ripped apart for like eons by like space demons uh, in like a wormhole would suck. But here's the thing: there is the even the slightest possibility of aliens and meeting an alien, even if it is a xenomorph. I'm fine with it. Like at least I can say I met an alien for it devoured me or planted a fetus inside of me that burst out of my chest. I mean, whatever. So aroused by aliens. Like I know we slept for aliens. I think you want to date an alien and I'm so here for it. Well, after you tell us your answer, Nikki, I have a, would you rather as well? Okay. My answer is the ocean because in space, no one can hear you scream. 
And they hear you scream underwater? I feel like there is a possibility of another human life form coming to save me in the ocean. I don't have that chance in space. I am fudged. Boy. I mean, anyone grossly can... misconstrue how vast the ocean is, though, because you vastly misconstrue how vast the... <laughs> your mom vastly misconstrues how big the ocean. Got My me. scariest horror study setting is your mom's house. All y'all. I think we need to cut Nikki off as soon as we can. Uh, anyone can answer this, so I'm just going to ask my would you rather to try and push her past this. But would you rather contact us via email at brainsplatter at gmail.com or would you rather visit our social medias at Instagram at splatter under, or splatterbrains podcast? Uh, we no longer have Twitter, but you could have found it at splatter underscore brains. I'm telling you anyway. Uh, you can find us on Facebook if you type splatterbrains podcast. And also, we have a Reddit. Which would you rather contact? I think the our- Instagram, Alex. Yeah, me too. Insta. Obviously, Gmail. Come on, guys. On that note, Nikki farts in her depends. Hey. What a juxtaposition. No one can hear me scream.